You're listening to the Misty Creek Community Church Podcast. To learn more about Misty Creek Community Church, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. Today's message is from Senior Pastor Stephen Street. I want to ask you a question this morning. How many of you would love for me to just tell you, I'm going to send you all on an all-expense-paid 14-day vacation to an exotic island? Would you like me to do that for you? We've really been doing good with the budget, and uh, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna check with Ken Obley, our, our financial secretary, and see if we can do that for you. That would be nice, wouldn't it? But I think some of you would say, "I can't do that, Stephen. I can't get away. I've got too much going on. I can't go anywhere 14 days. I can barely get away for a weekend, Stephen. I just cannot do that." But thank you for the offer, because for a lot of us, getting away is difficult because of so many distractions. And, you know, David mentioned in his prayer, one of the top distractions that we face is this device because it goes everywhere with us. We're always accessible. Do you have trouble leaving work back at the office? Is that hard for you to do? Maybe your office is at home, you know? But you can't separate things. Your personal life, your your love life, your time with family, there's always a distraction of some sorts. And do you feel like when you finally do get away, even if it's a quick getaway, that it's draining you instead of recharging you because you're thinking about all the things that you've got to do, that you need to do, and you need to follow up with that text or that email or that phone call. Is that you? You need time off. You do. You need rest. But you can't be guaranteed, even when you get that rest, that it's going to be stress-free. Always seems like there's something that's going to be grasping at your attention, isn't there? There was this newly married couple that received the most amazing honeymoon gift. Family members were going to pay for their honeymoon, all expense paid, to Disney World. And they were going to put them in that wonderful Old Key West Resort, which is a nice resort. But what they did not know until the day they were leaving for the trip is that they were going to be accompanied by their in-laws, the mother-in-law's two best friends, the best friend's three children, a sister-in-law and her husband, and two cousins. And they're all going to be sharing a suite together. So after that 10-day Walt Disney World trip, the young lady, the couple, reported that they said, there wasn't a lot of honeymoon going on. I can imagine. No privacy. In this place, it's tough when you really need rest and relaxation and you just can't get it. You don't have to raise your hand. Maybe you're at home watching. But for some parents, they cannot wait for school to start back, literally, school to start back physically, so the kids will get out of the house and go to school to give them a break, some rest. It's been difficult, all the isolation, being home. At first, it seemed like a really, really good thing, but as it went on for months and over a year, it got old. really did. Jesus knows what it's like, folks. He and his disciples know what it's like to want to get away, to want to rest just for a few moments, but you can't. There's just no place you can go that's not flooded with distractions. The disciples had just returned from their first solo mission. Jesus had given them power, and they were going out for their first solo mission, and they were very successful. 
They had much to tell Jesus about their experiences, but Jesus could tell that their exertions had worn them out. I mean, they were tired, they were worn out, and they needed some time for solitude and a time to get away. So Jesus suggested, let's go away to a deserted place all by ourselves and let's rest for a while. Sounds good. Let's go rest with Jesus. Sounds good. So Jesus and the disciples, they sailed off to get some time away, some time alone, away from the crowds, from all the distractions. Perhaps they were looking forward to having some time to talk about their experiences together. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I don't think that Jesus would make it as a CEO of a major business today. The success mantra of business leaders today is grind it out. Work seven days a week. Never stop pushing. But Jesus believed in living a balanced life with your work, rest, worship, time spent with friends. He would probably say a balanced presence. You've heard me say this before. Be where your feet are. Be present. Have balance in your life. After his disciples first successful foray into ministry, Jesus didn't have a strategy meeting to figure out their next move. He didn't do that. Instead, he tried to take them away from the crowds to get some rest. But this getaway, this vacation for them, it was just not going to happen. Even while they were still aboard the boat, the people on the shore recognized them, and word spread very quickly that they were there. Word spread so quickly, in fact, that by the time Jesus and his disciples disembarked, there was already a considerable crowd waiting on them. It reminds me of a story about Pancho Villa. You guys study Pancho Villa in high school or middle school? One of Mexico's greatest rebel heroes. Villa was the leader of a rebel army that fought in a civil war that lasted from 1910 to 1920. What the history books don't reveal is Villa's insatiable desire for publicity. He took a camera crew along for most of his battles. Sometimes he even delayed a battle until the cameras were rolling. He also refused to lead his troops into battle at night because then he couldn't be filmed in action. For one particular battle, he refused to let his troops attack until the producer gave him the sign okay. Eventually, Villa sold his battle footage to a movie producer, and it was turned into the movie The Life of Villa. Villa would have been a ter terrific politician, you know it? Especially in our land. You see, though, Jesus and his disciples, they were not looking for publicity. They weren't trying to be famous, but their ministry was attracting a lot of attention. And that's okay. When your ministry, when your mission is attracting a lot of attention, that's a good thing, folks. So Jesus and his disciples couldn't exactly get away to have some rest. Jesus intended them to get away and rest, but it just wasn't going to happen. Now, I'm not sure if you've ever had that experience when you tried to get away and your vacation was interrupted. It's frustrating, isn't it? I remember, SJ probably remembers this too, there were three straight years where we tried to do a vacation, and each time we got away, somebody in the church or in my family passed away. Usually at the beginning or right in the middle of the vacation, get a call. So-and-so passed, we need you to do the service. Now, I respond immediately, and we take off, and I go do that service. That's just part of who I am. That's who I am as a pastor. Things like that happen. 
It's happened since we've been here, believe it or not. Maybe something like that's happened to you. There's an interruption. Or they need you back at the office. Only you can handle the problem. So you've got to leave your vacation or your getaway early. Or maybe you're on your getaway and you're constantly on your laptop or your phone working through something that only you can handle, supposedly only you can handle. It happens, doesn't it? And I'm sure when the disciples saw the crowd waiting for them on the shore, their hearts sank. They probably felt a lot like celebrities who have to beg reporters to leave them alone for a day or two. But Jesus, he didn't seem to be annoyed. He took it all in stride. In fact, he stayed there with the crowd and he taught them. Maybe he knew why the crowd was there to see him. Let's try and take a look at this from their point of view for just a moment. Let's focus, first of all, on the crowd's hunger. There was something about Jesus that made people want to be near him. There was something missing in their lives that they couldn't obtain through their day-to-day living. They were looking for something better, and they sensed that Jesus held the key to what they needed. They were hungry for what he had to offer. Do you know someone who hungers like that? Maybe it's you. Maybe you're hungering like that. Do you know someone who's stumbling through life, looking for the road to happiness, but they're looking in all the wrong places? Do you know someone who's hungering for what Jesus has to offer? Someone who longs for what we already have discovered in our own lives? Do you know somebody like that? If you do, it would behoove you, God has called you, to share the good news of the gospel, to share Jesus Christ with them and his hope. And you may just begin with your story, your rescue story, your testimony of of what God has done for you in your life. Maybe you share with them the wounds that you have in your life, the stress, the temptation, and how God has helped you overcome that. And Jesus has filled your hungry heart. Many fans consider Tom Brady to be the greatest NFL quarterback of all time. I mean, you've got to think about what this guy's accomplished in his 40s already, folks. It's quite amazing. He's won six Super Bowls. Back in 2005, after Brady's third Super Bowl victory, he sat down for an interview with 60 Minutes. In the course of the interview, Brady said, there's times when I'm not the person that I want to be. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, this can't be all it's cracked up to be. I mean, I've done it. I'm 27. And what else is there for me? The interviewer asked him, what's the answer? Brady responded, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. I respect Tom Brady's honesty. Even the most successful of us hunger for deeper meaning in life. We hunger to know that we are loved. We hunger to know that our life has greater purpose. We hunger for transcendence, for experiences that go beyond our ordinary lives and give us a sense of awe and wonder. Danny Sugarman, who was the manager to the 60s rock band, The Doors. I love The Doors, don't y'all? You know you do. The Doors had a great insight This particular manager had a great insight into our hunger. He said, listen to this, from the time we can speak, we're bombarded with the message that we alone are not enough. Take this, buy this, smoke this, drink this, 
have this, feel better, stronger, safer, sexier, more desirable, more secure, less anxiety, more powerful, and none of it works because we're looking in the wrong place. If the manager of a successful rock band can diagnose our problem, surely we can too. In Proverbs, I love wisdom literature. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your hearts, for everything flows from your heart. Guard your hearts. Protect your heart. Your heart belongs to the Lord. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit of God. Don't harm it. Don't do anything to desecrate it. If you're searching for the right place or the right way to feel the emptiness inside of you anywhere but in Jesus, you're going to be disappointed. That's why you walk around and you see people who are constantly disappointed walking around like this, heads down, or maybe just consumed with this all the time. Can't look up. Can't be where their feet are. Just consumed. Every day they pass me by. I can see it in their eyes. Empty people filled with care, headed who knows where. On they go through private pain, living fear to fear. Laughter hides their silent cries. Only Jesus hears. That's from a song called People Need the Lord by Steve Green. Every day they pass me by. I can see it in their eyes. People need the Lord. I was in New York City one time before the pandemic. I mean, there's people everywhere. And they all seem to be in bad moods. If you live in a city of that many millions of people, you'd probably be in a bad mood too, wouldn't you? But I just started looking around at them and I wondered, man, these people are just living in the rat race. I wonder what their purpose is. Where are they heading? What are they doing? They need the Lord. I wonder how many of them know who Jesus is and that they have great purpose other than just a rat race every day. The same old, same old seeming to be miserable. Is that you sometimes? Do you live a life that's just miserable? You're exhausted and you're tired. Maybe you complain a lot. Maybe you whine a lot. Maybe you're negative all the time. That's what, that, just, that does not make sense, folks. But that's a life you may live if you don't have Jesus in your heart and if you're not living for him. It could happen. But when you bring your hunger to the right person, Jesus Christ, he can fill you. He can fill you and your need for a sense of purpose and peace with wholeness and joy. Jesus understood the hunger of the crowd in his day. He also understands what we hunger for today. He is relevant, always relevant. He's never out of touch and out of tune with what the needs are in society. But there's something else we need to see. Jesus was filled with compassion for the crowd who was hungering for what he alone could provide. When he looked at the people crowding in around him, he viewed them as sheep without a shepherd. In John's gospel, Jesus proclaimed, I am the good shepherd. Now, that may not make sense to you unless you understood Jesus' parables about sheep. Jesus told the story about a shepherd who was tending a large flock of sheep. If one sheep was missing, the shepherd would diligently search until it was found. 
Shepherds in Jesus' day didn't work in gated communities. They tended sheep on hillsides and in the wilderness. The sheep and the shepherd were in constant danger of attack from lions or bears or human thieves. So the idea that a shepherd would leave the flock and go searching for one lost sheep would provide a vivid picture of Jesus' love for people. Every single one of them was important to Jesus. Every single one of them was worth saving. Last week, you might remember me quoting from Amos 3.2, and the image was this lion that had a sheep in his mouth. And the only thing that could be observed from that lion's mouth was maybe just a hoof from that sheep or, or just an ear. And the shepherd goes after that sheep in that lion's mouth, even if he can just grab the ear or the hoof, and he does whatever he can to rescue that sheep. That's the image here, folks, of what Jesus will do for you how far he will go, even to the cross at Calvary and undergo the most horrific death you could ever imagine. He did that to save the lost sheep. Even if it was just for one of you, he would have done that. That's how great and far and deep and high and wide the love of God is for you and for me. Being a follower of Jesus, though, it's not easy, folks. It takes a commitment. It's a lifestyle. Daily surrendering to him. Being followed by a needy crowd would be a nuisance to you and me, but not to Jesus. Jesus saw the people and was filled with compassion for them. He loved them. They weren't an interruption to him. They were his mission. You know, I love holy interruptions. Do you know what a holy interruption is? I hear people say sometimes, well, I'm not, I'm not going to text Doug or, or call Stephen because they're busy. They've got a lot of things going on. Do you know that we love for you to text us and call us? We love to connect with you. We love being available. We're not going to send you to a voicemail or somebody else. We're going to respond to you in a timely fashion. That's just who we are. I feel like this congregation's like that, that you're going to respond to folks. You're going to respond to needs. If you're on the group me, you see how fast people respond serving others and helping and providing food and, and prayer and visitation. It's an amazing thing. Some would say those are holy interruptions. I used to work at a large church and I had a secretary and she said, um, I've, I've told people that you were busy today, that, that you're in your office and I saw that you were back there working. I said, no, my door is open. I love holy interruptions. That's what I'm here for. If we're not here for the people, who are we here for? I mean, really? I'm just saying. Holy interruptions. Those are good to have. You know, it's hard for us to be honest about our deepest needs, isn't it? It really is. Why is that? Why risk being vulnerable and transparent with others? Will others back away from us? Can we really trust anyone enough to share with them our deepest needs and what we're going through? The internal struggle we have with vulnerability and trust and authenticity is why it's so important for us to understand Jesus' compassion for us. Jesus was God in the flesh. God living in our neighborhood. God walking in our shoes. God pitching his tent right amongst us. Why would God choose to empty himself of his power and his authority and his majesty to become like one of us? That action is overwhelming and undeniable proof of how much God loves us. So compassion was Jesus' ministry. And here at Misty Creek, we serve 
with compassion. Jesus understood what we really need. And he gave up everything, including his very life, to meet our need. Like the shepherd, not caring what might happen to him if he goes into that lion's mouth to get that sheep. He's going. He's going in. I'm going to get it. And I will battle you to rescue my sheep. That's Jesus, folks. That's the God that you serve. And this brings us to the conclusion of our story today. Jesus alone has the power to satisfy our hungry hearts. We end the Bible passage the same way we began it. After a day of ministering to people, Jesus and the disciples still hoped to get away for a while. So that night they took a boat and went to the other side of the lake. But again, as soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized them and they flocked to them. People came from all over to see Jesus. Sick people were set out on the streets so that Jesus would heal them. And Jesus did heal them, no matter how much he needed a break. If there were people who needed his healing, he was there for them, both spiritually and physically, and he ministered to their deepest needs. And that is our critical point for today. Listen to this. We cannot wear Jesus down with our problems. We can't wear him down. He cannot be worn down. He sees our hunger. He has compassion and he will respond. The disciples had hoped for this short vacation, a time to be alone with the Savior, but instead they saw another dimension of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We don't take a vacation from our faith. We don't take a vacation from being a follower of Jesus. We don't say, well, I'm going on vacation. I'm not going to read my Bible. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to have devotion time. I'm not going to have silent time. I'm not going to walk with Jesus. What? What is that? You don't take a vacation from your faith. But how many people have done that? How many people are doing that right now? Because of the pandemic and the isolation, I don't need to go to church anymore. I don't need to be around other believers. I don't need to fellowship. I don't need to serve. I might get sick if I do a mission. What happened to having faith but being responsible and being wise at the same time, folks? We tried to be that the best that we knew how at Misty Creek. We gave you options of worshiping inside, outside, online. We even worshiped under the tent with the band set up out there for a while, even when it was raining and our equipment could get ruined because we weren't going to stop growing in our faith and worshiping Jesus. And he saw it, and he heard us, and he heard our cries. And what did he do? How did he respond? We grew during this time. We added more members. We did more ministry, more mission, provided more lunches, more backpacks than we got last year, folks. You see what God does when you are faithful and you let nothing get in your way of responding to him and letting him fill your hunger instead of everything else? How many people have replaced worship and prayer and scripture time during this pandemic with other things when they had an opportunity to grow more than they ever have, to be still in the presence of God and know that he's God, to be a witness to your family because you had them with you and your neighbors, but yet we didn't take full advantage of that. Some of us did not. You see, Jesus has compassion. He'll always respond. He doesn't take a vacation. He does not grow weary in caring for those that he loves. He has power to feed our hungry hearts. Have you found new life, comfort, peace, strength, 
and purpose from giving your life to Jesus? If so, then you have been called to share in the ministry of caring for the needs of others. If you've got notes there, this is in your notes today. Think about the people you come into contact with regularly. What are they hungry for? You know you've asked that question. What are you hungry for? You'll ask it today. Going to lunch, what are you hungry for? I don't know. Where do you want to go? I don't know where you want to go. I don't know. What do you like? What do you want? I don't know. Don't we do that all the time? And then if you finally say what you really are hungry for and you want, then the other person is going to say, that's not healthy. We can't eat that. But I really want a foot-long chili cheese dog with mustard, ketchup, chili cheese, and onions. You asked me what I was hungry for, but we can't eat that. you got a heart issue. Okay, we'll go get a salad. You know, you, you know what I'm talking about. So be careful when you ask somebody what they're hungry for and they, they're literal with you and you won't get it for them. I just want a big old double-dipped ice cream cone of cookies and cream. Not the yogurt, not the sugar-free. I want the real thing. And I'm not going to run this evening after I eat it. I'm just going to eat it. That's what I'm hungering for. You know what I'm saying? But nowadays, society says you got to do this and do that. If you eat the ice cream, if you eat the foot-long chili dog, you got to go run 12 miles. No thank you, you know? No indulgence for you. What are you really hungry for, though? What are the people around you hungry for? What substitutes are they using to fill their hunger? How can God use you to meet their needs and satisfy their hunger for life? This is where you apply the message. You take these notes home with you today. You answer these questions. Who around me is hungry? What are they hungry for? I need to find this out. And I need to share with them who can satisfy their hunger and give them new life. You know, back in 1976, Hamilton Whaley was a partner in a prominent law firm in Tampa, Florida. He was happily married. He was the proud father to five kids. He and his wife, Betty, were wealthy and successful, comfortable. They had become complacent. They had everything they needed. Until one day, Hamilton Whaley was driving his brand new pickup truck. It was a custom deluxe. You know what a custom deluxe is? He was driving that brand new truck and he got in a car accident. It wasn't a serious accident. His injuries were slight. So it seemed funny at first when people began calling Betty Whaley to express their condolences over her husband's death. Was this some kind of joke? Not according to the Hillsborough County Bar Association Bulletin. After his minor truck accident, an editor at the Bar Association Bulletin had accidentally published an obituary for Hamilton Whaley. After Whaley read the obituary, he, he didn't think it was funny anymore. He began to think about his legacy. What's the purpose of my life? He asked. Would anyone be better off because I had lived? Hamilton Whaley developed a singular hunger to know that he was living the life that God had made for him. That hunger eventually led Hamilton to give up his successful law partnership. He and Betty and their teenage son, David, became house parents at the Bethesda Home for Boys in Savannah, Georgia, one of the oldest orphanages in the United States. They were put in charge of one of seven cottages. It was in following the example of Jesus that Hamilton Whaley and his family found the answer to their hunger. And he says, now I'm where God wants me to be in a life that began instead of ending with my obituary. <laughs> if you have found new life in Jesus, then you know how he can meet your deepest needs. And I hope you are looking for ways 
to share Jesus' love and comfort and strength with others. If you're hungering for love and meaning and purpose and truth, please pray right now and give your life to Jesus. Jesus, I surrender to you. I'm hungry. And everything I'm trying to fill my life with just doesn't satisfy. So I ask you to forgive me of falling short of who you created me to be. Restore me, renew me, make me whole again. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. Save me. I receive you as my Savior today. If you want to know Jesus, pray a prayer like that. Put it in your own words. Just between you and Jesus. It doesn't have to be what I just said. Just open your heart to him and receive him today. He came to show you the life that God created you for. He came to show you that a compassionate God is ready to meet your needs. He's real, folks. And you have access to the mind, the heart, and the will of God. Did you know that? You have His Holy Spirit within you. And when you receive Jesus Christ, Jesus gives you full access to the power of God's Holy Spirit to where you can know the mind, the thoughts, and will of God Almighty. And He can feel every need, every hunger that you have. Nobody else can do that. No thing or other person can do that. No substance, no diet, no miracle pill can do that. Only Jesus can do that. And he's given you a power, a spirit, an antidote, a cure to your hunger. Jesus, hungry we come to you because we know you can satisfy. And so this morning, Jesus, we present our request to you, our needs to you, our hunger for you, and we ask you, fill us up. Fill our cups, Lord. Fill us to overflowing that we would hunger and thirst no more. Jesus came to give us the living water, a water that would satisfy, that was pleasing, that was filled with sustenance and nourishment, nourishment for the soul. And he offers you a drink, a free drink of his grace and his love and his mercy, his forgiveness. Will you receive that today? Will you ask him, even if you already know Jesus, Jesus, I haven't communicated with you in a while. I'm hungry. I'm struggling. I got some anxiety. I got some depression. I got some isolation going on. I got a lot of nerves about my eighth grade year, my senior year, college, my new job, my new home, my new place. Deborah Gilly knows all about that, and she's watching this morning. He goes where you go. As a matter of fact, he goes before you, and he prepares that place for you. Just ask him. Guide me, direct me, help me transition. Help me have the best school year I've ever had by keeping my eyes fixed and focused on you, Jesus. Fill me up, not just in the lunchroom, but as I'm walking down the hall, as I'm out on the playground, if you do the playground anymore, if I'm teaching in the classroom, fill me up. Fill me with your spirit. Satisfy my hunger. 
Help me see through your eyes. Help me speak your words. Help me not say anything negative to anyone or bully anybody or put anybody down, but lift others up because they're hungry too. And I have within my soul and my heart something that can satisfy their hunger. And that's you, Jesus. And I have the esteemed, humble responsibility to share you with others. That's the Great Commission, folks. Go ye forth, therefore, into all the world, making disciples of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and forevermore. Amen. We hope you were inspired by today's message. For more sermons from Misty Creek Community Church, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you like to stream your podcasts. You can also watch videos of our sermons and complete services on the Misty Creek Community Church YouTube channel. And while you're there, be sure to like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. For more information about our church, including our mission, location, service times, and more, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. God bless you, and thank you for listening.